afternoon and welcome to Daily Confetti with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, September 30th, and we're putting out Confetti a little bit late today. We had some personal things we had to take care of, but um, it should be it should be up by this afternoon, hopefully. Yeah. It should How be are up, you? It should be up quick. I, I'm all right. Just a lot going on in my mm-hmm. life. Um, but uh, yeah, how are you doing, Carrie? We haven't spoken actually in a while. Yeah, I had a, um, it wasn't a real, it wasn't a full civility dinner last night because I didn't, I didn't give enough notice for enough people to be able to show up. And also somebody, a friend from out of town had to cancel. And, but we did like a, an abbreviated, we did a small civility dinner with some of my friends who are regulars. And then one of uh, a stranger, but one of our viewers from the podcast um, who was visiting from out of town cool. and that was very cool. It was like everyone what a civility dinner is. Cause I think maybe a lot of new people don't know what you're talking about. So civility dinners are these things I started after the election where we will get together usually in someone's home. Although now when there have been new people coming now, I try to do them at restaurants just cause you know, I don't want to get killed. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just gotta be a little bit more safe. I don't know until I meet people, but we were doing them in each other's homes and, um, it's the idea behind it is people from the left and from the right coming together, having dinner, having discussion and trying to understand each other better, which I have so much fun doing these. Um, the, the people who come, the regulars who were coming are really interesting. We had people who, um, voted for Clinton, people who voted for Trump, people who didn't vote third party voters. We had atheists, evangelicals, like last night, this uh, new guy who, hi, if you're watching, he, um, you know, he can't, it's people who can't really be put into a box, which I think is great because we shouldn't be okay with being just putting, putting ourselves in all these really restrictive boxes. So this guy I would describe as, as liberal, um, cares a lot about the environment, but then on some issues, more libertarian, more conservative, you know, gun rights activist, or not activist, but believes in gun rights. Um, and then, so, so the types of conversations that we have at the dinners are always interesting because people are not just arguing from a tribalistic place. They're not just spouting the tenets of the, whatever their ideology is. Right. They're actually talking to each other and, engaging in thought and, and listening to what the other person's saying and trying to understand what the other person's saying and then trying to formulate their thoughts more clearly. And it's just, I love it. So. I think that should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be soon. So It will be soon, yes. He actually said some interesting stuff. He said, you know, it feels a bit uh, seditious. Like, it does. And, and to, to get in... To, to sit down with people and talk about the kind of stuff we're talking about where nothing's off limits. And he said, watching our podcast, he said, um, you know, I'll be honest. Like he said something about how it, um, it was such a, cause he's on the left and he agrees with a lot of, he's, he found some of my essays and then that through the essays, he found the podcast, but he was saying the stuff you were writing about, about the SJW left, it's just so true. So spot on. And just to hear you and Carter talking about this, some of the things you talk about so openly, it's, it, is a huge um, relief in my gut. Like I felt like of a huge unburdening because there are people who, who are, who, who agree with me on these things who are not afraid to speak it, I guess was his point. <clears throat> but at the same time, he also said, 
he still recognizes that he has this fear that wells up in him sometimes about some of the things we were discussing. He'll start to be afraid, like, oh, they shouldn't say, they shouldn't talk about that, or they shouldn't say that because people are going to yeah. come for people are going to come for them, you know. And I'm like, that's, I get it. I, I, I get still it. have, I mean, as as far as we've gone, there's still topics that I'm like, I haven't really brought up that I'm uncomfortable with, just because um, my views aren't totally thought out, and normally yeah. I would that wouldn't stop me. I would just be like, let's kind of work these out together. But I'm, I don't, I can't work them out together because uh, something will happen. I, it'll, I'll be accused of something. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have the conversation. Until um, you know what you think. Yeah. Some it's, there's some, it's not entirely. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's recorded. You know what I mean? It's on camera. And, and if you're, right. if you caught in a moment where you're, your ideas, which you haven't even formed that strongly yet, you're just trying to tease them out and you say something that you don't exactly, you didn't word the right way or if you regret it later, like it, it does feel, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and not, not that my ideas will ever change. I'm sure I've said things and will say things that I will later think are wrong because, you know, thoughts, ideas evolve. But um, yeah, they're even but even even for us, as much as we talk about stuff that we kind of are no holds barred, uh, kind of. <laughs> but but even even so, there's some stuff. Well, um, I also don't like talking about stuff that I don't I don't know enough about yet. Like and so like the climate change thing. I was talking with a friend uh, last night about climate change after the dinner, and I'm I don't know what I I don't haven't done enough research, and that's one of those subjects that I'm. It's so out. It's so. Um, far outside my realm of knowledge and I don't I also have just honestly not been that interested in th the amount of time it would take for me to try and get myself to speed and read all these contradictory opinions and figure out what I, I believe it's just I haven't had that time and so we never at some point I'd like to do a climate change episode with you but it's funny because people expect you to have an opinion on things like that just to have one like right. or, or well the or, dirty little secret is that almost no one is well read on climate change. I mean, even most of the activists, you you go one or two levels deep and they're done. They don't have any, they're, they're done, right? Um, there's there's no understanding there. So, and I'm not I'm not someone who has deep understanding, but I understand some high level stuff. We've, we've touched on climate change, um, but, but even, you know, even at a high level, you can't have climate change discussions without people freaking out. Right. Even if you just ask the question of like, well, what should our standard be? Should it be human flourishing? Is that the standard? And can we talk about some of the costs of doing some of this stuff? No. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's religious. So. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I'm, I have something I want to talk to you about today. What? I don't know if you saw this, but it is, I don't think it's one of the things I sent you because I just was reading about it later today um this girl in virginia i saw this over the weekend a 12 year old uh black girl in virginia who over the weekend who goes to a christian school the same school that mike pence's wife teaches at uh yeah. came out this weekend and said that three white boys at the school had pushed her down had cut her dreadlocks off and told her her hair was ugly and some other racial taunts or something and yes, it, she smolleted. Yes. And as soon as I saw this, I saw this this weekend and I immediately was like, okay, I didn't say anything because again, you should wait to get the facts. But my gut did the same thing it did with Smollett, which is 
this doesn't read like something that actually happened. Like the way that she described what happened with the boys, it just didn't, it didn't seem like something that actually would have happened. The way right. it, Did it she was named the boys. Um, they're all mine. I think she, I don't know if she named them or not, but the papers didn't because they were all minors, okay. but they, they went and investigated. I think she must've because the, the grandparents specifically offered an apology to the boys and their families. Um, because the school did an investigation, but you can imagine what happened over the weekend. Every single outlet ran with it. It was on the front page of every major news outlet. Um, it was, it, it, it became just without waiting for any facts. And I, and I feel like not only did it stink, the story stunk and I thought it was going to be fake and it is fake, but but what, do, you, do you recall any time when we were kids growing up that uh, major newspapers, like a whole news cycle would, would run with something like that? Like local 12-year-old local alleges right. <laughs> that this, like it's on the national news with no, no basis in fact or anything. They just go with it. Local 12-year-old today said that somebody called her smelly pants and, you know, like, that is not a national news story. And, of course, they tried to tie it to Pence because it happens to be a school that his wife teaches at. And so a lot of the headlines were like, you know, Christian school where Mike Pence's wife teaches racist, <laughs> you know, three white boys t- racist attack against a young black girl. Uh, totally bogus. And so I, I, I wanted to bring this up because, once again, you see all these people breathlessly sharing this stuff and then when it comes out and 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 it i I was saying this to a friend in a comment it makes people stupid it makes them stupid like the jussie smollett thing you and i waited until the facts were and but we had both talked off camera that our gut was like this didn't happen right but we didn't say that we didn't say it we weren't reckless we didn't say it online until the facts were out but we felt that way the people who felt it did happen, they don't take the time. They don't wait. They just automatically go out there and like, this happened and this is horrible. And it makes them stupid because they so want to live in this world. This is the, what they hope. They wish the world were like this. They wish it were dark like this. It, they wish it were as bad as this. And so that makes them dumb. And they're, they're willing to overlook uh, details like the small, some of the small details that are dumb. Yeah, because, because they want it to be true. Because they want it to be true. So did she say why, like, was there any, is there any more to this story? Because I haven't seen it. Did she, she said that they did all this stuff. And then how did she recant? What caused her to recant? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what caused her to recant. I know the school did an investigation and I guess that just revealed that she was lying. And so all there's been so far is a really great apology, actually, from her grandparents, um, her, who are her legal guardians. Huh. But but they didn't say why, you know, she, she's admitted she made it up. That's all that they've really said. But here's here's what I think. And Mike Carlo, our friend Mike, said something about this too. Um, the guilt here, yes, it lies with this young girl. But but more than that, the real guilt here lies with the, the legacy media and with this culture that we're in because you're teaching kids that the, the most virtuous thing you can be is a victim. And there's no, Mike Mike said, you know, the demand for identity-based victimhood is much greater than the supply. And so yeah. they have to make up these things over and over because the world that they wished we live in, and they, and they are, they're sick. I think a lot of the people who want the world to be this way are sick and uh, they want it to be this way so they can rail against it and have something, have a purpose. Right. And so th- this, the fact that it's not this way, it's, 
they're willing to overlook details that don't make sense and stories that sound suspicious because, oh, look, here's a story that says the world is as awful as I want it to be. Well, you see this a lot from the left too, where their attitude is just like, I know what that person meant. I know that they're like, there's this kind of uh, feeling that they know. So when they see a story like that, it's like, I know that happens. I know it must, like, I know this happens. I know there are people out there who does do this. So it makes it totally believable. And you got to also keep in mind, if you're on the left, you're, um, you will get crucified for questioning it. Right. So uh, you have to, you have to say, yes, I totally believe her because uh, if you, if you say, well, are we sure there's some inconsistencies? I'm not sure. Let's wait for the facts to get out. You'll just be called a racist. Yeah. And when it's a kid, uh, they double down on you because, you know, you can't criticize children. So yeah, you'd be a racist and you've, and you're a jerk. <laughs> and you're a jerk because it's a child. So this reminded me, and I, I, every single time I read about one of these hate crime hoaxes, and then I read about after it, after it comes out that it was a hoax and you don't see any of the people, like think about Jesse, Jesse Smollett. Did you see any of those politicians, those blue check marks, those journalists apologizing? Did you see any of them owning their mistake, their breathless desire for what he was saying to be true? No, they don't ever. And so it, this makes me think of um, every single time this happens, I'm reminded of the C.S. Lewis quote, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I would like to read it again just because I know we have some new viewers and maybe they haven't heard us talk sure. about this quote before. But he says, suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. Then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out. Is one's first feeling, thank God, even they aren't quite so bad as that? Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking that your enemies are as bad as possible. If it is the second, then if it is the second, then it is, I am afraid, the first step in a process which, if followed to the end, will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. If we give that wish its head, later on we shall wish to see gray as black, and then to see white itself as black. And finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not able not be able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. Yep. I love quote. that quote. Cause it's so true that their, their reaction to this is not, Oh, thank goodness. It didn't happen. It's, it's like, they're upset. They're upset that it didn't happen and they don't want to post the retractions and the corrections because they wish that it were true. Right. Cause they need it because their ultimate goal is destruction of Western civilization. So, uh, it, you know, this is, this goes back even as far as Soviet propagandists used to talk like they want to sow discord in the way. If you want to destroy the West, you need to sow discord and you need people believing that things are horrible. And so uh, when things aren't horrible, that runs, you know, counter to your narrative. Like you, you're supposed to believe this, but um, I don't know. Carry on. On the way, I was just at a meeting and on the way home, I, I took a lift home. And uh, the guy, the Lyft driver was listening to hip hop, like rap, I guess, um, which I just, I don't, I don't listen to rap or hip hop at all. Uh, so <laughs> yes, I'm 
I'm culturally white. So <laughs> I don't listen to that. I don't listen to it at all. I, I've never liked it. It's just not been my thing. I'm not going to go so far as Ben Shapiro says it's uh, not music, but um, even, even old, even old, like you don't like public enemy or anything. No, I mean, I liked, uh, I'm dating myself. I used to like, like young MC and that kind of crap, like way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, not when it got, when it got harder and more angry, I stopped caring to listen to it. But one thing that really struck me in, I don't know what I was listening to, but it was written in 2018 because the lyrics mentioned that it was 2018. So that's how I know that. And, um, it was, uh, the overall message. It was really interesting because it was, uh, very clearly, set up to view that the the rapper was viewing himself as a victim because he was black was assuming that everyone else was always victim because they were black because of the white patriarchy and i don't think they said patriarchy but the, the white you know the white man's establishment and it was very much about how you know you, you can you know doing good in a white man's school doesn't help you and blah 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 it was all all this kind of crap but Overall, I thought, what a negative message. Like, if I was a kid, if I was a black kid listening to this, it's such a negative, yeah. uh, anger-generating so message. It's like, the world hates you. Everyone's against you. You can't, you know, uh, just because you do well at the white man's school doesn't mean you won't be shot dead on the sidewalk. And, like, it's all this crap. It's and, the world that Todd Nahisi Coates wishes that we were in and tells people we're in. Yeah, and I, I had two thoughts. One thought was some of the things that this person was railing against, um, inner city violence and that kind of stuff, I, I immediately thought, well, those are leftist policies. This is not the way that the black community used to be. Um, now, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the black community years ago, so uh, this is just you know, my understanding. But you know, there's, uh, Thomas Sowell talks about this. right? He grew up in Harlem. And Thomas Sowell talks about it was so hot in Harlem, he would sleep on the fire escape at night um, in Harlem. And he says he never remembers hearing a gunshot, gunshot this whole time growing up, sleeping on the fire escape in Harlem. And of course, nowadays, you would never sleep on the fire escape in Harlem. You would be killed or worse. I don't know, right? It's, a, it's horrible. Um, and the black family used to be much, much stronger then uh then it is today the divorce rate has skyrocketed the single motherhood rate has skyrocketed the um uh the uh incarceration rate has skyrocketed some of these things are white man's fault i would say like some of these things i i would agree they are white man's fault but they're not the white man that this person is railing against it's the leftist liberal white man who caused these problems it's it's the and some of the conservatives, right? It's the it's the drug the drug law people. They helped that the introduction of the welfare state. Uh, they've helped destroy the family. Um, the widespread cultural acceptance of um, single motherhood as a as a, an acceptable means of raising children, and um, all like in the in the destruction of the family and the anti father attitude, like. All this stuff is not endemic to the black community. The black community suffered horribly through slavery and through Jim Crow and came out actually quite, they were quite strong. If I recall correctly, they had a lower divorce rate than, than whites at one point. Um, 
they were, they were, the family unit was quite strong, but the family unit in the black community has been absolutely destroyed. But it's not by, it's not by the people on the right for the most part. I mean, I think the drug law can be laid at the feet of the people on the right, uh, the drug war. But most of the stuff is, is from leftist politicians. And, um, well, you know, and- I, I, it's a shame that people aren't, I think some people are waking up to this now. You do have people in, the black community waking up to the fact that this is not this is not what they were promised, and they've been used for a really, really long time. And when I grew up, Carrie, uh, was there racism? Yeah, of course, there was always there was always some racism. But you know, I, I grew up in a pretty white area, and there were a few black kids in our school. No, people weren't racist to them. There wasn't like, I guess there was a recognition that they were different somehow by some people, but not overtly, not much, and there was a general idea that we were all in this together. And one of the, one of the black kids was a star on our soccer team and was very popular and everyone loved them. And like, there was not a, I, I, I didn't know anyone who used racial slurs against these people. And this is 40 years ago, right? I mean, we're not quite 40 years ago. It was a long, long time ago. And the, the idea that I feel like we were so close culturally, we were moving in the right direction. We still had problems, but we were moving in the direction of, um, all being Americans together, and we've it's totally been destroyed, totally. And the message in well, rap and a is lot one of the it, things that's helped destroy it. The message in rap, but it's not just the message in rap, it's the message that the left it relate it back to this early story. It's the they want the world to be the SJW left and the news media is complicit in this. They want the world to be as negative as possible. It doesn't matter if we're talking about the state of the black family, if we're talking about school shootings, if we're talking about hate crime hoaxes, they want everything to be, they want to, they want you to believe stuff that's not even true. And you're making me think of, I don't know if you saw this, but this is a great um, article I just read by Coleman Hughes, The Case for Black Optimism in Quillette. Did you see this? I haven't seen this. So he basically goes through and he's talking about how on the left and the right, you know, it starts off, when was the last time you heard good news about the state of black America? Um, given the way the topic is reported in the media, you could be forgiven for not remembering. <laughs> Most will be familiar with the standard portrayal. Black people are disproportionately poor, incarcerated, born in single parent homes and harassed by cops. And it goes on. And then he actually starts going through some statistics. And guess what? Much like the stats on gun crime, which gun crime has been steadily declining for the past 25 years, and you wouldn't know that if all you did was watch the news, um, and if all you did was listen to the left, you wouldn't know that. Well, you wouldn't know this. He starts talking about, you know, from 2001 to 2017, the incarceration rate for black men declined by 34%. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. When you look at age-specific incarceration outcomes, you find two opposing trends. Older black Americans are doing slightly worse than previous generations, but younger black Americans are doing better so much better that they more than offset in statistical terms, the backslide of their elders. So then he goes through specifically for different demographics and talks about these uh, declining incarceration rates. Um, He goes on to talk about the, the mortality rate declining um, female life expectancy, black female life expectancy increasing um, life expectancy for black men increasing. It talks about uh, how black people are healthier and longer lived than they were just two decades ago. Also more educated um, the, the number of associates and master's degrees awarded to black students is more than doubled. Like th- these are all stats. All you good never news. Hear. Yes. All good news. I yeah. wonder why we don't hear this because it's not bad news. <laughs> right. 
Right, right. So, and so, and because like that song you mentioned, they want you to believe that the world is against you. It keeps you in victimhood. It keeps you in a victim mentality. It tells you you can't do things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a quick aside here, and I think maybe you know where I'm going to go with this. Nope. But I got, I got into an argument that I sent you this weekend oh. with an SJW on, um, on Facebook, which is where the best arguments happen. I was joking about that last night. <laughs> the best arguments happen online. No kidding. Um, but no, this woman, okay, this is a white female SJW who w- didn't understand what I was trying to say about how the SJW ideology is racist and sexist and harmful just couldn't wrap her head around it because she's bought into all this crap about like the new definition of racism is this. And the new definition of sexism is this. And she kept talking about black people and marginalized people as a group and saying, but how do you, how do you argue with the fact that marginalized people tell us blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you, no person is speaking on behalf of marginalized people to you. If you think that they are, you're wrong. Does Candace Owens speak on behalf of black people to you? Does Thomas Sowell speak on behalf of black people to you? No. You are just taking one viewpoint and you're saying that all black people and all marginalized people feel this way. And they don't. You're a collectivist, right? So we, we got into, and then she tried to use sex. Uh, since we're both women and we're both white, she tried to use sex instead to help me see her point of view. And so, so she says, I'm not going to read all this, but this is perfect, perfect, because this is, to me, this woman is stuck in victim mentality, and it's like she doesn't even see that, that the ideology I'm criticizing is what's keeping her there. So she says, I'll give an example. When I was a kid, I got the impression from the world that math was for boys, so I never really pursued learning it past the minimum required by school, which sucks because I'm really good at math. Therefore, I think it's important to give the message to little girls that math is for them, too. And she said some other stuff, but I responded with, well, I'm, I'm a little girl who did not grow up with the impression that math was for boys. In fact, I was number one in my class at my small high school. I went on to be selected to, be in a, to go to a residential science and math high school, which was more rigorous than where I went to Duke, where I went to college. Um, I'm surrounded by women and was and am surrounded by women who are great at science and math. And so do you speak for women or do I speak for women? How about neither of us speak for women? We speak for ourselves. But, but my point is like, thank goodness I wasn't, and she couldn't hear this. She, she, she couldn't hear this, but my point was, thank God I did not go to a school where they singled me out by my sex and were like, hey, little girl, science and math is right. for you too. Hey, girls. Like she basically said, we need to be teaching girls that math is for them too. No, no, you don't, mean, you don't need to go into schools and say, hey, girls, you've been so discriminated against, girls. You may not know this, but math has always been for boys. And now it's for right. you. Now, now it's for too. you, girls. See, that's no. the thing. Math would... is for people who like math. Right. You would support the message of math is for anyone who wants to do math. Anyone who likes math. Like, math can be for anyone. That's a message you would support. Um, yes, absolutely. I do not support, hey, girls, math right. is for you, too. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's sexist. Um, it's sexist and she can't she couldn't hear what i was saying that that is why i she she basically got her feelings hurt and i like what you said about this because she said uh i don't like the way that your implication makes me feel like i'm weak for not doing going on to do math or whatever and it's like i'm not telling you're saying you feel weak you feel weak that's your feeling that's nothing to do with what i'm saying i didn't imply that you're weak i didn't say you're weak like 
people have a problem owning their emotions. So your emotions, your emotion, lady, like you be responsible for it. Well, and her, look, it may very well be, we don't know her circumstance. Maybe she was in a misogynistic school that told her little girls can't do math and blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. We agree that shouldn't have been told to her. We agree that that was wrong. Uh, the message should have been math is for everybody. End of story. Not math is now for little girls. Um, because actually I saw someone um, talk about this the other day. They have a little boy who seriously started to ask questions at home. Like, like, can I do science? Like are boys strong too? And blah, blah, blah. Like, because all he's inundated with his schools, like girls are strong. Girls are independent. Girls can do this. Girls can do science. It's like, am I allowed to do that stuff? Like, yeah. It's not good for girls or boys. That's, they don't get it. It's not good. It's not good for little girls to hear, hey, girls are so smart. Just, you are smart. You, are, you can do science. You can do math. People can do math. Like, it doesn't need, to, you don't need to divide people up. It, they, they, don't, they don't seem to realize that what they're doing to people is, is the very thing they, they claim to be against. And I said to this woman, you're never going to end collectivism with collectivism. Well, so th those are the people that Lenin would have called useful idiots, right? Um, because I, the, the, the goal is to actually divide, but, but people, won't, people don't, won't go support that goal and be soldiers in that kind of a war. So you have to use some, some magic words and some sleight of hand intellectually to get them to think that pushing racism is anti-racist. But, you know, Carrie, you and I use... Um, you and I often use this word Marxism. I haven't talked about this too much because I'm not an expert in it, but I'll, I'll just give a quick overview because maybe people don't even know this much, which is very little. Uh, you know, the Marxist, the, the classical Marx was about class. It was about uh, different classes in society. And, and it was a, a critical analysis of capitalism. And then it was this, hey, there's different class structures. And he obviously predicted that there would be certain revolutions and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and people criticize us when we say this is like cultural Marxism or this is kind of a form of Marxism because it seems like a far cry from Marx to say like, oh, this is a form of Marxism. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, well, look, Marx, Marx viewed, uh, Marx knew that if he, if he pushed the class stuff on people, his hope was that if he pushed class on people, he could, um, and if you really made people class aware, you would end up with this revolution of the proletariat, right? But in, in the Weimar Republic in, in Germany, in between the wars, uh, the Frankfurt School was founded. And this Frankfurt School was founded by a Marxist who recognized that the, uh, Marx, like, um, the Lenin version of Marxism wasn't working very well. They hated capitalism. Um, and this is where critical theory was born, by the way. This is where critical theory comes from. Um, and they... If you go into their philosophy, it's pretty egregious. It's ridiculous stuff that you couldn't say out loud. It's like, you know, they, they don't believe in abs like objective knowledge and that kind of stuff, but uh, or objective truth. But they, they took this and they developed, they, from Marxism, they developed this critical theory idea, which is, okay, um, there's this uh, kind of, it's, it's the oppressor-oppressive narrative. There's the mainstream society that... Uh, they have a narrative and there's all the marginalized groups that are being oppressed by this narrative. And that's kind of where this whole thing came from. And it's the same play with, a diff with different uniforms. Right? This is, the, this yeah. is different costumes. It's the same play. This is an attempt to get people 
instead of divided by class, divided instead by, by identity. Yes, and and specifically, um, there's the members of what's viewed as the um, kind of establishment class, which is predominantly white male, mostly Christian in the West, um, heterosexual, you know, cisgendered quote men, right? Um, that's that's what they view as kind of the the controlling class, right? The the narrative setting class and a conflict between them and all of the other quote marginalized classes, which could also have conflict, um, you know, between them as well. But the main war is against that establishment and all of the quote marginalized groups. But to do that, you've really got to erase the idea that um, society is we're attempting to set up a society that doesn't care what group you're in, where anyone can rise to the top. Anyone can be part of this establishment class. Anyone can, can flourish. And although that's the stated goal, obviously we failed in some ways, but even though that's the goal, they've got to eradicate that as being a a goal that people think of. So instead of telling the, the kid in the black kid in Harlem, Hey, anyone can become president. Anyone can, can be the CEO of, Facebook or a Fortune 500 company or whatever. Anyone can build a business. Anyone can go to school. Anyone can do this. You work hard. Anyone can do this. Yes, you're going to have disadvantages. Everyone's got different different disadvantages. You may have more than most, depending. But anyone can do this. And we're here as a society to to um, try and help you achieve the best. Uh, you know, the self-actualize, become the best person that you can be. And yes, there are barriers that are based on things that are unfair, but we're working as a society to get rid of those because that's not the society we want to build. We want there to be mobility so that you can, you can become anything you want. They have to eradicate that and tell people, no, 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 no. You're a member of this group. This group will always be down here. This other group will always be up here. Yes. And you are perpetually at war with each other. And until yes. you recognize that you're at war, um, you'll never you'll never succeed. The only way to succeed and what they're actually looking for is they do want a form of a revolution, whether it's bloody or not. I don't think they care too much, but they want a revolution to destroy capitalism. It's all explicitly anti-capitalist. It's all explicitly Marxist. It's a variation on Marx um, to kind of fix errors that the Frankfurt School philosophers thought Marx had gotten wrong and they developed this critical theory. So the idea that um, it sounds like a conspiracy to be like, oh, they're using Marxist techniques and this is just Marxism with a, you know, by, with different colors. It's, it's not bullshit. It's not a conspiracy. This is what they write. This is what they've done. This, this is, is what they've done. All of it. And all of it is, I mean, I took classes on it. We, it, they read all the Marxist scholars. It's, that's a fact. Of course. Like it's all, because it's all based on Marxism. You probably like, read all the Frankfurt School Yes. People. Yes, yeah. we did. It's all, it's all based on that. It's just that it's, I, when I try to talk to people like, forgive my language, but this woman that I was arguing with this, this useful idiot, when I talk with people like her, it's like, I try to break it down as simply as possible. It's identity politics based Marxism. Yeah. And, and just help people to see what they're doing. Cause she can't even see what she's doing. It's like, you are putting people into groups on the basis of this started because I was telling her I, I'm a liberal. I'm not an identitarian leftist. And she's like, what's identitarian leftist? And I want to say it's what you are, but, right. but I didn't say it. it's like, well, an identitarian leftist is someone, an identitarian on the left or the right, equally bad. Um, an identitarian is someone that puts people into groups on the basis of race and sex and sexuality, and then judges people and treats people differently based on which of those groups they're in. 
And she's like, so are you saying there's no identitarians on the right? And I'm like, no, I didn't say that. There are identitarians on the right and left. It doesn't really matter if they're on the right or the left. The, the problem the problem is being an identitarian, is being a collectivist, is saying that that's the most important thing about people, is that right. is those groups and judging them on the basis of what group they're in, and talking about them as groups and talking about them the way that you are, this woman, like marginalized people, this and black people, that. No, you're not looking at them as individuals. And women, this women are taught they can't do math. Really, I wasn't taught that. Right, right. And, and they, and they uh, because this came out of the Frankfurt School, which temporarily relocated to New York City as part of Columbia University during the Nazi era, uh, before it relocated back to Germany, um, be because this came from the philosophy departments and the sociology departments, and all this stuff is painted with an air of uh, academic legitimacy, when in fact, if you actually look at it, there's not, there's not legitimacy here. They, they freely admit, like Foucault, constantly was like, none of this is proven, but this is what I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was never proven because you're full of crap. It's so, like Peggy McIntosh and white privilege. Right. That's, this, this is this is all a house of cards. It's all, it's all vaporware, but it's, it's got this patina of credibility because it has, because it came out of academia and it's got a long history in academia. And so the idea that like, oh, critical theory is a thing. Critical theory is just a, is a stupid idea. It's just dumb. There's no, uh, there's no actual evidence for this. They, they literally believe that uh, there isn't objective truth, that science can't find objective truth because it's always informed by the, the narrative of the person doing the science and blah, blah. Like they literally, if, if the world was run through critical theory, we would be in caves fighting each other with rocks. So it's the opposite of the reason-based enlightenment philosophy and they they steal the word reason and they slap it onto this because their idea of reason is starting with really really bad philosophical premises and then drawing ridiculous conclusions from that and hiding the origins so i just i i want to be clear this is it is marxism it's a version of marxism it's in, i believe that this is intentional i don't believe there's a smoky room with people but i believe it's intentional from the philosophic perspective. These people knew what they were doing. They wanted to tear down capitalism. They spread this thought virus to universities throughout the West. And now we've got droves and droves of people in their adult lives trained in this crap and it's spread into other departments. And it's, it's just a mind virus. That's all it is. It's a mind virus. And you know, I, the, the whole, not the whole, but a, most of the democratic party is now infected with it. The media yeah. is infected with it. The social media companies are infected with it. Everyone who controls the public sphere, that's why we have all these censorship issues and stuff. If people are new to the channel, yes, almost all of our videos are demonetized as well. <laughs> as mo most people who have anything interesting or truthful to say at all that doesn't, that doesn't go along with SJW beliefs, you're going to be demonetized because yep. it's all infected with this garbage. And if you notice, Carrie, the left was... Uh, they, they had to get their, uh, their smelling salts. They had, they fainted. They did some couch fainting when Trump said, if I get impeached, it's going to be like a, I think he said something like uh, civil war level division in the country or something. Oh, um, I didn't hear that. Yeah. He wow. used the term civil war, which is why civil war is trending on Twitter. He didn't say there would be a civil war. He just said civil war level, like civil war, like division or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly, but, um, but he's right. 
uh, to a large extent, he's right about that. There are, that has been the goal. The goal of this ideology is to destroy the West. And there are those of us who recognize that and, and will resist it adamantly. We're not going to go quietly into the night as, you know, radical Marxists take over this country. And there are radical Marxists who are not going to go quietly into the night either. So there actually, there absolutely is a massive division coming. Um, and I don't know that it's stoppable, but I'd love to get as many people um, informed about it as possible, because I think a lot of people are sitting in the middle going, what the hell is happening? Why are we having this, this fracturing? They this don't is understand. why they have a, a lot of people have um, real jobs and you know, they have a family to feed and they have, they have real commitments and they don't, ha- I, I know I feel for people who are just starting to wake up to some of what's happening and be like, Whoa, because, because they've been doing what they should be doing and, you know, providing for their family and not, be, not paying attention to what seems like, See, if you just look at little parts of it, if you just look at little parts of it, like this girl at the beginning who lied about these kids cutting her hair, right? right? The, the hate crime hoax. If you just look at little parts of it and you're trying to figure out what's going on, but you're not seeing the big picture, then I think it could probably seem overwhelming once you start to realize that this is all connected to this belief system. Absolutely. Like it's I all think connected it, to, totally to this mind virus belief system that people have, which is, which is that that the best way to fix racism is with racism and the best way to fix sexism is with sexism and the best way to fix collectivism is with collectivism. And that's none of that is ever going to work. Right. And I think once you, once you're awake to it and you start looking, um, look in your local school system, I guarantee it's at least somewhat infected. Oh, it's a hotbed. <laughs> your, lo- your local school system is a hotbed of this crap. I don't care what part of the country you're in. I'm from South Carolina. I've, I know it's infected the schools there. Now I've started to hear about it from teachers. Yep. So it's all over the place and it's a real, and it's a real problem. And I think we need to recognize it for the enemy of Western civilization that it is because that's the intent. The intent is to, is to cause division. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can just follow the old adage, uh, the social justice warriors always project. I think that was one of Box Day's maxims about social justice warriors. SJWs always project. They talk about Trump being massively divisive. Because they are massively divisive. Because they're massively divisive. They call everyone else a racist because they are racists. Yep. They, everything they do, look at the way they behave, okay? Like, instead of what they're saying, look at what they do. That's why I was been trying to explain to this woman so she could see it in herself instead of just saying this is what you are. It's like, oh, it's someone who puts people into groups on the basis of race and sex and sexuality and says it's okay to treat people differently on that basis. Right. Do you think that that did like a ding, ding, ding in her head like I do that? I don't know. Maybe not. No, because I think, I think she did, like, like many people, this is an emotionally held position, probably um, deeply rooted in psychological need. And so uh, all that happens is she switches from seeming rational to rationalization. So you can have a, you can kind of have a rational discussion sort of, it seems like. And then as soon as her, uh, as soon as her psychological defenses get triggered that, uh oh, this would implicate your behavior or you would have to change fundamentally somehow or something's wrong here, uh, immediately switches into rationalization. Yeah, So you're right. 
Um, and you saw from me, and I know people didn't see that conversation, but you saw from that conversation what happened. Like she immediately went into rationalization mode and refused to understand that uh, she actually didn't even bother responding to the fact that she had one particular experience and shouldn't represent everyone. That wasn't, she didn't even respond. No, she, see, that's the thing about them. They, they, they think they get to speak on behalf of the group and that they, and that whatever opinion they hold, that's okay to say it's on behalf of the group. Right. Of more, on behalf of marginalized people, on behalf of women, on behalf of black people, what, whatever. The minute you give, well, here was my experience, it's different. Then they're like, now suddenly you're an individual. <laughs> right. That's the only way you get to be an individual. Then it's like, oh, well, I think it's interesting. You had that particular experience, but. <laughs> right, yeah. well, the other thing to understand about critical theory is um, it's critical of itself by, by design. So this is why the left can eat the left. And this is also why it gets perpetually more radical because um, it's constantly evolving to more and more radicalism. And so uh, that, that's been a function of critical theory since the beginning. So I did see somebody pointed out to me that they're already attacking little uh, the Greta, Greta, the climate change girl, because she's white. <laughs> right. She's white and has a good life. And like, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Well, that was a um, fun, that's, that's a fun one. Look, here's the thing. I don't want to end on a depressing note about this belief system and the, 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 the <laughs> culture war and everything, but the, the thing to do, and the, I was reminded of this last night at the dinner is you got to keep your sense of humor. They don't have a sense of humor at all. And sense of humor, I think goes such a long way and not just um, dealing with these people and tolerating them and trying to have empathy for them. It's like, it also it also keeps you from becoming, I think, from becoming an ideologue of some kind yourself. As long as you yeah. can watch that stuff. Also, also frankly, uh, your world is ninety percent your community of people around you. I mean, like some of this national stuff, it does affect us all, obviously. But um, build a community of people uh, that with whom you can have these discussions, right? If that's you know, if that's being part of our community, great. But at least at least have people around you that you can sit down and have these discussions and you're not going to get uh you're not you won't be subject to the the crazy slanderous outrage that happens when you step out of bounds just in the course of a conversation uh which is what happens i think i think a lot of people are just can't have conversations right now they feel trapped surround yourself with people who aren't gonna treat you like that and who are willing to have these conversations even if they disagree yeah and keep your sense of humor yeah, this new guy watches our podcast again. Hi, if you're still watching, he said uh, he was telling me, or you know, we're trying to figure out where we all stand on different issues because again, it's hard to put people into bo the boxes they that that people would have us put ourselves into, right? And he was like, "Well, I feel this about this, but that you know." And for him, he does believe in climate change. He believes it's an existential threat, and it's one of the most important issues. And he's big on environmentalism, mm -hmm. and. So we had just been talking about how the SJWs call everyone a Nazi these days. You know, we're sure. all Nazis, whatever. And, uh, and then I was like, so you're an eco-fascist. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what the New Zealand shooter called himself, by the way. I know. I was, yeah. but see, the funny thing is, like, you can joke about stuff like that. And they SJWs don't. And, and he was giving some examples of stuff on his wall where he had said something that they were just like, it, it reminded me of that conversation you had with that, that guy who's like, Carter, we don't say... Uh, Indian burn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do we say? Uh. Well, what do we say for that? 
<laughs> I don't know, but definitely not Indian burn. Right. Just, uh, just, yeah. Anyway, keep laughing guys. All right. Thanks for watching everyone. Don't forget to like subscribe, share, please, by the way, uh, would really like to be able to sustain this in some sort of like being able to afford ramen and our internet connection, something. So, uh, please like, share, subscribe. You can go to subscribe, start to support us. You can go to, um, unsafespace.com. There's some merch carry, uh, Carrie parties a little bit every time you buy some merch. She loves it. We, we have t-shirts. Yeah. We have a, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So if you're, if you're the type of person who's too, too, wait, no, hey. So if you're the type of person who doesn't, uh, financially can't contribute, you can contribute by sharing the video and liking and, and sending it to people because the more subscribers we get, the better. But if you're also the person who's, if you're the type of person who's afraid to share the video, but you do have some extra cash lying around, then you can contribute financially and you can be anonymous and nobody has to know who you yeah, are. Yeah, you can pick your own name to put in the credits too. You can make up a name, whatever you want. So, all right. Thanks everyone. <laughs> <laughs>